as tonight is Chavzai Noda, which brings us back uh, 29 years ago to the, the day of Chavzai Noda. was the last time we saw the Rebbe in a healthy way. Rebbe giving dollars. So I want to share a story which I may have shared before in the past, but it happened around that time. We had a girl here who studied at the university. She was in graduate school in the psychology department. Her father was a judge in New York, in Brooklyn. She came from a very Jewish family, but not Shomer Shabbos. She went to a Jewish day school, but again, they weren't mamish from. And she became more enlightened with time and less observant. To make a long story short, she ended up coming to us for Shabbos and visiting us frequently, and with time she changed. She became more connected to Yiddishkeit. Not from, but she became less of an atheist. She started believing more and started keeping some mitzvahs. She came to us a week before Chavzayin Adar, for the famous Irua happened at the oil with the Rebbe. And she said that she has a cousin. The whole family were judges. Her father was a judge. He passed away then. But his first cousin was a very famous judge in Washington, D.C. He was a very powerful attorney in the Attorney General's Office of the United States. He was the second most powerful person in the time when Janet Reno was the Attorney General. And he actually is the one who put away Jonathan Pollard. He's the one who um, gave the verdict that he should go to prison. That cousin was a, not just reform, he was reform and an atheist. He was an ardent atheist, and not only that, he prided himself that his rabbi and the Reformed Temple is also an atheist. He himself was also a professor at George Washington University at the law school. He was a scholar, very highly respected. He was so assimilated that his kids all married into um, you know, high society, American, of course not Jewish. And to him this was a badge of honor that he's made it, that his kids married uh, into the higher aristocratic society of the United States, if there is such a thing. So, you have a picture of what type he was. His name was Morris, his last name. And he, in the prime of his life, he was in his early 50s, at the height of his career, he was suddenly diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer was so aggressive, the doctor said there's really nothing they can do. I mean, they can slow it down a little bit by doing an operation, cutting out whatever they can, but it's so widespread in the body that he's not going to make it. They gave him six months to live, and um, basically it's hopeless. This was such a blow. It dawned on him like a ton of bricks. 
Here's a man, strong, healthy, powerful, successful, a rising star, a rising star in the legal world. He's made it almost to the top of the Attorney General's office. He's a scholar that is respected, recognized as one of the leading scholars in the legal profession. And uh, here he's struck with this terrible news that he's going to die, die a miserable death. Within six months, he's going to deteriorate slowly. And that's it. His life is over. Abruptly cut down suddenly. It was terrible. It was terrible. The cousins were very close. So this girl, whose father was a judge too, but had passed away, was her father's cousin. So she came to us and said, what should we do? He's, he's, um, her cousin, they're very close, and her cousin is dying. And this girl's father also had died from cancer many years earlier. And um, they were... Um, actually, her family was very close to the Rosenfelds. The Rosenfelds from the community council. And so the, she asked us what to do. So we said we should go to the Rebbe. So the Sunday, it was the Sunday, second to the last Sunday when the Rebbe gave Dallas. Then there was one more Sunday, and Monday after that was Chavzayin other. when that happened. So she went with her mother. Her mother's name was Marilyn. They went over to Dallas, she and her mother, and they, she told the Rebbe that her cousin, Mr. Morris, is in uh, imminent danger and he was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer and they want a bracha for him so the Rebbe said that they should write in his name his Hebrew name and his mother's name and give it to the secretary and he'll bring it into the Rebbe in the office they did so a few days went by it was about Thursday the Rebbe if I understand it correctly the Rebbe came out of his office to look for label governor and said that somebody should um, convince him, this Mr. Morris, to put on tefillin. If he was on tefillin, he'll be well. Now, this Mr. Morris has never seen tefillin in his life. He was like a, an, a, an ardent atheist. <clears throat> so I think it was Rabbi Rosenfeld in Brook in Crown Heights, who had called the Shliach uh, near Washington in Chevy Chase. I think it was Rabbi Gaisinski. And they told him that uh, the Professor Morris is now in the hospital. He's about to undergo a serious and a hopeless surgery for his cancer. Would he mind to go visit him at the pair of tefillin and tell him that the Rebbe said to put on tefillin? But obviously he wouldn't you can't just make an appointment with this guy. He, he'll laugh at you. You want me to put on tefillin? He doesn't believe in it. So the cousin, this girl, who was by us at the university, she was asked to call him and to beg him to listen to the Rebbe. And she calls him up. And of course, it was a very um, questionable call. And what, what, what is he going to say about such a suggestion that he should surrender to some uh, belief that people think that if you put on tefillin, his illness will come to an end. That was definitely not rational, and he was a rationalist, and this would not sit well or resonate in any shape or form. 
But she called, and she had a mother on the other line, and they both called the cousin and begged him to agree to welcome this shliach with a pair of tefillin in the hospital and let him put on tefillin with him. He started thinking, what are you guys, crazy? I'm undergoing this terrible ordeal, and, and, and you have nothing else to do but to bother me with these superstitious stuff. So they both started crying and begged him, please do it. And she said, when my father was sick, if the Rebbe had told him to do this, he would have done it in a, in a heartbeat. And you're lucky that the Rebbe is telling you what to do, please. And they begged him, so two ladies are crying on the phone. So he, he had no choice. He said, okay, tell him to come. Let's get it done with. So the appointment was made, and Rabbi Gasinski came and put on film with him. I'm just telling what I heard from Rabbi Gasinski. I think this is many, this, I'm talking about 20, 20, some 29 years ago. He met him and gets a show. Okay, tell me what I need to do. He's never seen film. He's never put on film, never seen film in his life. Not even as a bar mitzvah. And I was thinking, he starts putting on tefillin with him. He tells him how to say the bracha, puts it on, and then puts the tefillin on his head, and he said, let's say Shema together. He starts saying Shema Yisrael. And as soon as uh, Professor Morris uh, starts repeating after the shliach the word Shema Yisrael, he bursts into a hysterical cry. He cried and sobbed and sobbed for a while, uncontrollably. He's a man who never cries. He's a, a rationalist, an intellectual, doesn't believe in anything which is super rational. Here he suddenly broke down in hysterics. He told later his cousin, this girl that was as a student, I don't know why I cried. I have no idea. I don't know what got into me. I have no idea what happened. Rabbi Gesinski offered to come again. He said, well, uh, let me see. I have an uncle, uh, well, a grand aunt, whose husband used to own tefillin. Maybe I can get his tefillin. Don't worry, you don't have to come back. Rabbi Gesinski offered to learn with him, maybe. And uh, he said, he sort of uh, shrugged it off, but, you know, politely. And that was the end. This man recovered completely from the cancer against all the odds I know that he lived another 20 years at least and died from a heart condition not even from cancer he was completely against the odds when his cousin this girl I asked her once how a cousin is doing she said I asked him what he thinks about this does he believe in miracles now now that he saw this incredible she says, I don't know what to think about it. <laughs> Sometimes he said he's afraid to think about it. Because this means he's going to have to change his whole life, his whole orientation in life. Anyways, this Mr. Morris died 20 years later. Never wanted to speak about it. It was a... It confused him. It clearly sent a message that there's something different about life that he wasn't willing to accept or acknowledge. But that's it. This is the story. A story, one of the last things that the Rebbe did right before Chavzayin Oda took a Jew who has never heard of Tefillin, never believed in Tefillin, never believed in anything Jewish, 
was happy when his kids intermarried and made him put on tefillin once in his life, saved his life from an imminent death, and confused him a little bit that his um, hardcore atheism loosened up a little bit. How he ended his life is very hard for us to know. Who knows whether he died with a hero truva. But he definitely had a hero truva when he put on those tefillin in the hospital and broke down crying. It's no question that this was the etzamanishama of a yid coming out and confusing him, being bevalable him because he didn't know why he was crying. This was like a, a, a radiance of his neshama for the first time in his life, so powerfully penetrating his conscious mind. And um, that's what the Rebbe did.